Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. Uh... And today we're doing something a little bit different. We've done a couple of episodes where we've looked at old Dungeons and Dragons modules. Um, we did an autopsy on our playthrough of Tomb of Horrors, and uh, a few weeks ago we did White Plume Mountain. Uh, today we're going to shift gears and head over to our other favorite role-playing game, perhaps our favorite role-playing game, Call of Cthulhu, and look at Glenn Owen Barris's Servants of the Lake. Uh, this one is in Doors to Darkness, five scenarios for beginning keepers. And uh, it's one of the interesting things is, is it's very straightforward and that it's meant to be played in a single session. I, I assume a single session is four hours. Four to six hours, I'm guessing. Yeah. Un unlike recording for actual play, which is usually about two hours. Right. Well, um, yeah, tell, tell everybody a little bit about this one, Steve. Uh, so, Doors to Darkness, I don't want to give away too much of the scenario itself because it seems like it's a very popular one that people enjoy, mm -hmm. which is why we picked it. Um, so, it, like you said, it is in a book of beginning, or scenarios for beginning keepers. So, there is a lot of direction um, mm -hmm. in in this uh, scenario that you might not get in another um, in another uh, context. So you have um, suggestions for roles that you can make. Um, so so it takes a, a, a lot of the guesswork out of it. Um, it's it's very not sandboxy. Oh yes, if, yes. Um, it's not it's not quite a railroad. I mean. Technically, all scenarios are going to have a degree of railroad to them. Um, it gets you from point A to point B. So there's that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's definitely a set of things that happen while you're, while you're uh, participating. Um, but it doesn't, just reading it through, it doesn't feel like uh, anything's being forced because, you know, you are reacting to the actions of others right who know absolutely more about what's going on than you do right uh, but that being said there are a limited amount of things that you can do uh it's set in a in a in a motel that is way off the beaten path and the players are um, hired as to investigate the disappearance of a guy's son who was um, last communication had him in this area. So that, that's how it starts. Don't want to give away too much because um, some of you guys listening to this might want to um, play it. And, you know, as with all <clears throat> role-playing scenarios, you know, the fun is in the playing. Right. So we, we don't want to give anything away like what the big bad is, um, but we'll give you a couple of of things to entice you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, now this is also this is a scenario that's intended for beginning uh, keepers, but it is just straightforward enough, and and the the action is, um, dare I say, simple enough that this is really good scenario for beginning players as well. Yeah, most getting definitely. getting used to the the vibe and the feel of playing Call of Cthulhu and what your characters can and cannot do. 
Right. Um, it does seem to be uh, toward the end a little combat heavy for a seventh edition. Yeah, they, I guess they're they're. Well, it, it it looks like they set it up for with that in mind, or, mm -hmm. or Glenn does. Um, and I think you kind of have to because you know, even though it may not be the uh, the most <laughs> the, the sanest thing to do, right? Um, you know, and especially for beginner beginning players, you're gonna want to do that. And you know, I. We play Call of Cthulhu all the time, and I my, I have characters that make the most horrible choices. <laughs> right. Where, where I, the, the person, the player, would GTFO and run the other way, heels and elbows, away from bad things. Mm -hmm. I, you know, my players will go into the tunnel with nothing but a shovel. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> Be I mean... Because, you know, that's... You're supposed to be a hero or some sort. Right, right. Well, I mean, that's part of the fun of the game. It's, it's in a way, it, it is more like a more serious version of slasher flick, uh, Call of Cthulhu. Right. Where, you know, you are playing the tropes of weird fiction and cosmic horror. And, you know, making bad decisions is part of that. That's true. I mean, that's you know... True. Truthfully, if 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 you played any role playing game with any degree of realism, most folks would have, uh, you know, called the police. Called the police. Got the, got the fuck out. Uh, actually, there is a section uh, Glenn includes in this book where what to do if the players do decide to call the police. Yes. And <laughs> which which is an interesting thing to cover. Yeah, because well, that's a little um, bit outside the box. Most Call of Cthulhu adventures, you just kind of, you know, you you do the thing and you go insane or you defeat the monsters or whatever. Right. You know, this no is for that. Of calling the police. Right. This is for that rational character who says, you know, we should really call the police. We're kind of in and over our head. Right. But yeah, like who does that? Because no one wants to be laughed at by the police. Right. No one wants to be laughed at by the police, but you know you've got some degree of evidence there. Um, um, it it is nice that he kind of tells the keeper to uh, dissuade people from going to the police. Um, he does admit that um, that would be the logical thing for people to do in this situation, um, but he says effectively it will end the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you, you you are, you know, you're, you're taking the action out of your own hands and putting it into the hands of the authorities. And there is, there is a point in the investigation in this where um, you have evidence that could get anyone arrested. <laughs> That's true. Um, um, which which you, you don't have the luxury of that in a lot of Call of Cthulhu campaigns. Or scenarios of having like actual, like the bodies are buried kind of stuff. Right, right. I mean, I remember playing Masks of Nyarlathotep, and there's never a situation where you can actually contact the authorities. So you end up becoming as much of an outlaw as the villains in the story. 
simply because you can't you can't go to the cops and say you know an evil cult is bent on world domination right. and summoning or, an evil god or oh yeah the fire vampires set that train on fire mm-hmm. so it was totally the fire vampires i don't know why you're arresting me officer right <laughs> exactly that, that sort of situation and you well, have a similar situation going on here in servants of the lake right um the 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 quote-unquote cosmic horror of it does not happen until the big reveal at the end. So mm-hmm. you do have a situation where um, you can go, holy shit, this is too much. Let's go to the police about this. Right. Um, that being said, it makes for a really great investigative game. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, old-school Call of Cthulhu... 90% of that game is going to be trying to figure out, uh, follow the clues, um, peel back the layers of the onion, like we talked about um, last time. Mm-hmm. And correlating the contents. Yes. And this does a really good job of that. And then at the end, you have a really nice payoff. Um, once again, And the, the other thing I like about the way this one ends up is... Um, uh, Glenn takes a a trope of Call of Cthulhu gaming, where you have um, you know a cult. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't not trying to give anything away, but it is a trope, and like three quarters of these involve a cult of some sort or another. So it's not giving anything away, but he flips it a little bit by making it a cult of something you don't normally see a lot of in. Uh, Call of Cthulhu. Right, right. It does. Um, it does base its roots in in uh, m- more of a modern era weird fiction story. Right. So one of the great masters of form. So you, yeah. <laughs> so you don't have that. Um, for, even though it's for beginners, you don't have that familiarity that you would normally have. Uh, you get it all the time in D and D of facing uh, familiar monsters, even though your character may have never seen a deep one, your the player certainly has. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he he gives you something a little bit more rare in the in the um, bestiary to deal with, which mm-hmm. is great, right? Uh, because because that always throws somebody for a loop, um, and it's always nice when you're a player to have. Um, either things that you, that you don't normally see to face or things that you see used in a different situation, in a different context. Mm-hmm. And this one has a couple of those. Actually, both. Yeah. Both circumstances are covered under this adventure. <clears throat> uh, I was thinking about it earlier after I read it, and it would make a great addition to a free-form kind of campaign where you're not playing masks or two-headed serpent or something like that um as you know kind of just a filler session you know you don't have a whole bunch prepared for your grand you know epic story so you say okay well maybe the investigators go off on this episode right it's and do this and and yeah. it works for experienced keepers and players as well Right. Well, it's it's nice that um, it's the setting, while it's very specific, is semi-generic. 
that mm -hmm. makes any sense. It's a motel. Uh, there's motels all over the place. Uh, so you can transplant this. It takes place in Lovecraft country mm -hmm. um, in, in and around uh, the North Shore and environs of Massachusetts, of the Boston area, you know, up Arkham, Salem, all that crap. Right. Um, but you can most, you can easily um, switch up a couple things and put it on any motel, on any lake, in any time. Right. Exactly. Which makes it, which like makes it very versatile, so that if you're playing Cthulhu now, and you need a quick thing to to tide you over to the next big thing, uh, you could put this in there. Mm -hmm. You could even, with very little fiddling, uh, put this in, like say, a campaign set in uh, Edo period Japan, mm -hmm. very easily. Yep. Uh, hell, you don't even really exactly like fiddling with it it's a motel any campaign that requires any kind of traveling you can throw this in as a as a side adventure simply because the characters have to drive from point a to point b and they're going to have to stop and rest yeah for the night. yeah i mean usually you know nothing happens in the, in, on the road in the hotel blah 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 you can generally redline and when you when your characters are actively participating in being on a train, sleep, spending the night in an inn, that kind of thing, that's when you kind of get red flag and shit's going to go down. But, but yeah, it it, it definitely um, it, it's good to break things up. Um, you know, maybe have a, a different um, flavor in your in your campaign while while you're like trying to rid the world of um Narlathotep's cults in various places around the world you stop off at an inn and have to deal with this shit as well right and you just accidentally fall into it yeah so it makes it makes it a very versatile scenario and and like i said it's a brief one so even if you need um you know a pickup game it's like uh you know we're not going to have all of our players well you know give me Give me three, you know, or just bring your characters that you're currently playing in this other game over and we'll just we'll just play this tonight and yeah. make it non-continuity. Yeah, definitely great for, for that. Mm -hmm. um, so now here's a question. If you were to run this game, this particular scenario, mm -hmm. would you modify anything? Would you run it as is? Um, would you? How, how would you approach it? Um, I would probably run it as is. Uh, Glenn makes a note that if you're going to run it with more experienced investigators or players, that uh, you just bump up the n number of the, the certain encounters. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably, you know, I probably wouldn't even change the numbers of encounters you know, just, just because of the... You know, I know people have bad luck, and even if you're an experienced Call of Cthulhu player, you're gonna you're gonna miss that uh, that seventy five percent pistol skill every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you don't, really need to, you don't really need to um, bump anything up. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless you you like have it out for people and you want to stack it 
really stack it against the players because it's pretty stacked. Yeah, <laughs> as I think, is. Yeah, I think I might consider that if I was playing uh, playing it as a one shot. But oh, let's see, do 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 do. Um, the one encounter. There are four of them. And we're not going to tell you what it is because we don't want to. We don't want to say, say that there's this type of monster or this type of you know, cultist that can do this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had a similar it's a black encounter. Dragon. It's a black dragon. A black it is a. It is a. I will say that it's a kind of classic horror monster, and that's about all you're going to get. And I ran an encounter in Final Flight of Jonathan Roxton with a classic horror fantasy monster and you guys experienced players playing in pulp had a fuck ton of trouble with them yeah well remember the mom the mummies um in in london when yep. we played masks mm -hmm. that there were two of them and they like really gave everyone a run for their money well um to, to be literally, fair, literally, what I was she, half dead at the time, anyway. So you were half dead throughout the whole thing, but <laughs> but uh, I can't. Was it was it Wes who actually like ran and like went out into the street because he like flipped out? No, he tried to run, and he got stopped in the hallway. Yeah, that's the thing with Call of Cthulhu is so different from any iteration of tnt mm -hmm. um it's crazy it's I, i'm not gonna say combat's deadlier but you know brp it kind of is um but in in D, you you know where your characters stand at any given moment you and they have charts and and everything that calculators that tell you how you know what kind of encounters you can survive easily with a, a modicum of damage or barely scrape by so it's all calculated out and and scientifically you know weighed and everything mm -hmm. so that your dnd &D encounters are designed to have a rhythm and they are um what's his name the the designer of the new edition um has it that you have you should have four encounters before you need to take a long rest. Mm -hmm. So he even has like this rhythm of it. Right. So and and they design spells and recovery and everything around this. And Call of Cthulhu is like the exact opposite of that. Um, just from the beginning, it's always, especially with the combat been, if you enter combat, even with like some schmuck there's a good chance that you might not make it out of that combat. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think a, a lot of, a lot of combat in call of Cthulhu comes down to just dumb luck. Um, yeah. Uh, like even if you're like duking it out with a gangster, you know, that yeah. gangster has that gangster with that 45, you know, all it's going to take is, you know, one good lucky shot. Yeah. Dude. And 12, in a max damage roll, and that's twelve right. points right there. Now, now exponentially uh, kick that up when you're um, 
fighting something from beyond mm -hmm. that's immune to whatever you could throw at it, but it still does a shit ton of damage on you. Right, exactly. Plus, you're you're drooling insane while you're doing that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of more. A lot of a lot of folks uh, talk about Dungeons and Dragons and the pacing of Dungeons and Dragons, where it seems weird to them that your end goal is always at the end of the dungeon, and by the time you're there, um, it's a I lost you. I lost I you for a second. I know. End goal I, is at the end of the dungeon, and by the time you're there... It's like this war of attrition where you're out of hit points, you're out of healing potions, you're out of spells, and you're supposed to fight the boss. That's exactly how Call of Cthulhu is supposed to run. Yeah, that's not how D and D is run. You're supposed to rest before you go into the final right. boss, right? And, you're supposed and to have everything. To... Yeah, and you have everything like all ready to go. Right, you set up camp and you you prepare, uh, almost kind of like video games. Hold on, a second. you might get a little bit softened up, but uh, you know, in D and D, eight hours rest and you're healed fully. Out, everything's recharged. It's like plugging your iPhone overnight. It's all ready to go. Call of Cthulhu doesn't have that. In Call of Cthulhu, if you get first aid in the field, it's one hit point. Per wound. So if you took 16 damage off of like three wounds and you are successfully healed for all three of those wounds, you get three hit points back. Right. Right, and three hit points is going to be gone with the first attack. Yeah, and Call of Cthulhu doesn't have magic potions. It doesn't have healing spells or player access readily player accessible healing spells. Right. I mean, and even if you go to the hospital and get like care, it's like one d four per week or something. It's right. crazy per per week of game time, and yeah. and even even in pulp. You know, healing is not much faster. Instead of maybe like one per day of total rest, you get two. Yeah. So you're, you're you are by the time if you choose to fight your way through um, scenarios and call it Cthulhu, uh, chances are at the end of it, you're 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 toast. Right. Well, well you're, mean, to you're toast anyway, really. But right. But I mean, even if even even something simple like, you know, climbing up, you know, a minor, you know, rock wall or something, or you know, something like that, or a fire escape falling on you. <laughs> <clears throat> There's, uh, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna take a good bit of damage from that. You know, Call of Cthulhu is is really designed to be, uh, really risk intensive. And I, I yeah. think that's I think that's one of the things that appeals about it um, to uh, people who love it is that it is so risk intensive, and that you know you really have to weigh your options. Do I want to do I want to get into this encounter? Yeah. You know, do I want to even continue this investigation? Mm -hmm. Because well, I mean, you, you kind know, of have to, because that's the fun of the game. Right, but I mean, there's going there's to the police time. is kind of like. Like the antithesis of playing Call of Cthulhu to me. 
well, topping out in the middle. I mean, I guess if it's a campaign and you want you you need your characters to stay alive for a greater purpose, that's a little bit different, and you're making a hard choice. But in something like this, you know, you get to the end, and um, you have just uncovered this huge like thing that's going on that is horrible, and if you don't do something about it. Um, you stand a chance of like screwing the human race for all eternity. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, there's there's that aspect of it, but that also falls under the risk management side of it, because you know I remember playing um, one with West, um, and really when I was sick, you guys yeah. quit, <laughs> and, and we did. We we got to a point where it was we had our first monster encounter, and that encounter was so one-sided that the three of us decided that, you know, our characters, you know, were, would not, would not have completed this mission. It was just like, you know, fuck this because it was one of those types of scenarios where your characters stumble into things. Right. More than, you know, you're actually down there to look into something strange going on. There is a huge difference between. I can't remember which one you ran. It was. It was. It was not an on-brand scenario, if I remember correctly. It wasn't a Chaosium scenario. It was a third party. Mm -hmm. It might have been uh, Pagan Press because mm -hmm. um, it's Wes, right? And and I know he really liked um, a couple of their books, but. But old school, well, you've played a couple, I've ran a couple of old school things for mm -hmm. uh, Microphones of Madness, is a lot more hardcore um, in terms of what happens to you throughout the scenario than, than something like this is. Because with this, there, there's definitely chances um, of encountering danger before the climax. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Um, there's also a good chance of you um, discovering information, not facing any physical danger until the climax. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of, a lot of the older scenarios um, are going to have like, uh, you just, it's going to happen. It's, um, you know, things are guarded. Mm -hmm. um, Sa Sandy Peterson, who, you know, helped design the game, um also did a bunch of a uh, maps for for the original doom and, mm -hmm. and and doom 2 and look at how those are designed oh, inevitably you go past a certain point do whatever you're doing to get your key and when you come back there are secret doors that you can't detect or open or whatever um that all of a sudden are open Full of monsters mm -hmm. and that's kind of how the old school uh, thought process for making designing these things was that um I'm not, and i'm not going to argue against it but you definitely had a lot of um a lot more intense monster encounters um during the course of of a of a session than than you do now right and I, I think there should be a little a little more balance to it not D, &D balance where you know a, a fighter can pretty much fight anything 
provided yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a horror role-playing game and you want to have right. that sense of danger right you want a sense of danger but you also want to actually have a statistical chance of succeeding. <laughs> well, it's more fun when you reach the big bad at the end and everyone goes batshit crazy. Right. Um, than it is to get taken out by a couple of thugs. Even mm -hmm. if those thugs are like interesting monsters, it's still you make it to the end and, and see Cthulhu rise. It's a lot more exciting than being taken out by a deep one while you're right. trying to find... The, the missing stone of blah, blah, blah. Or a cultist with a panga. Yeah. In an alley. <laughs> yeah, Nasanathotep is pretty hardcore like that. <laughs> right, which I think is part of one of the one of the driving forces behind it being, um, was the, the new version being uh, made with pulp in mind as well. Yeah, it's got the pulp option. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, pulp is, is starting to take off as much as it is. And you know, a lot of folks really cite the survivability factor of pulp as being its major draw, but I I really don't think it is. You know, it's slightly more even, but I mean, when it comes down to it, the mechanics is exactly the same, and There's a lot a of the of things you can do that are different, but not right. a lot. Um, and a lot of the pulp rules um, are optional rules in, in, you know, the keeper handbook anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like too terribly different, but the playing style is definitely different. You know, if well, you're yeah. playing pulp, pulp Cthulhu, you're more likely to charge in with your monkey wrench and swinging at giant snakes and shit than you are if you're just like a right, you know, professor... Professor Farnsworth of you know the right. meteorology department, right? Or or uh, you know, Joe the librarian. Yeah, and, and and honestly, you know, unless Joe the librarian is a secret, you know, jujitsu black belt, do you really think Joe the librarian is really going to go and start shooting and attacking like like a fucking marine? No, because I, I would say Paul. Cthulhu and and seventh uh, edition or or vanilla Cthulhu, you know, is the difference between like House and House Two, <laughs> where yeah, you know, in in the first House, yeah, William Cat's character is is a Vietnam vet, but you know, he's not like Rambo, you know, he's just a a, a normal dude, and he gets through this situation, and then you have House Two, which is a little more tongue in cheek. And you have an electrician who's also a professional adventurer, and he has a fucking cutlass in his toolbox. <laughs> and then that, for me, is really kind of the difference: is that the characters are a little more over the top, and I think the playstyle becomes a little more over the top because of that. Yeah, most def most definitely. Uh, but I mean, it's just as easy to die in Polk. You just have twice as many hit points. That's right. All. Right. And well, then, I mean, but the damage I, is exactly the same. So, yeah. so even that lucky shot from you know generic gangster number thirty-seven, you know, you get hit with that forty-five, and he rolls max damage. That's still twelve hit points. You're going down, and you know, yeah. what, the maximums are. You know, in in regular Cthulhu, yeah, that would be a major wound, and that would drag you down to like two or three hit points. But you might be passed out, right? In in pulp. 
you know, one good lucky shot with a 45 and that's half your hit points. That's right half there. your hit points right there in a single attack. Yeah. So, I mean, it's less deadly because you could survive one or two more rounds. Mm -hmm. And then, then they have that, the um, rule keep 30 luck points because you could spend them and survive a death encounter mm -hmm. with no luck and one hit point. Right. So you, and, and as it's happened to Wes, it's happened to a bunch of people that they've used that rule and the next round they're dead anyway. Right. Because you, because you come back with one, one point, but you know, it gets you that one extra round. Right. But Pulp but, also has the rule where you can, uh, you can, there's a luck spin to actually mitigate some damage that we hardly ever use. Right. Well, and, and Pulp also has, has more of a rule of cool, mm -hmm. um, going for it that if you can do it let it happen right but you know we're kind of getting off topic though that's true <laughs> that's true uh, i wouldn't run this in pulp there you go you wouldn't run this in pulp no this is straight up call of cthulhu hmm. just no no real reason to run it in pulp All right I, well like i said i would run it i could run it in pulp as as a side mission i probably wouldn't run it as pulp as a one-shot encounter or a one-shot session simply because it might get a little too easy because then you know you, you have your talents and and talents would come into play a lot in this yeah but um yeah standard seventh edition uh call of cthulhu is it's beautiful it's great for uh beginning players beginning keepers and i think it has a lot of uses for more experienced players and keepers as well and I think it's really well written in, in that kind of procedural aspect because Call of Cthulhu, per, first off, is a horror game, but second off, it's an investigatory game. So right. it, it has to follow a logical progression. It, interesting that you should say that uh, because there are plenty of, uh, I, of, of situations, I guess, in Call of Cthulhu where either investigation is cursory um, or it does not follow a logical procedure. And I understand that um, because the supernatural is involved and aliens and things from other dimensions are involved, um, you have to make intuitive leaps mm -hmm. to connect some of the dots. And that's part and parcel for, for the game. But sometimes there's, you know, you leave shit lying around as a clue that really, I'm guilty of it, that doesn't have the um, outcome that you intend by leaving that thing. Mm -hmm. um, but this, you know, this is very well done on the investigative side as well. Right. So really to sum up, if you're think on the fence about maybe trying to play Call of Cthulhu, or uh, you're trying to convince your playgroup to play Call of Cthulhu, Doors of Darkness is a, a good buy. Um, you know, you can pick it up through Chaosium's website. We'll put a link to it uh, in the description so mm -hmm. you can pick it up and check it out. Um, or if you're trying to convince, you know, the, uh, your player and you're trying to convince the group, say, hey, you know, let's, let's play Call of Cthulhu. You know, it's a... It, this particular scenario is great introduction to um, the mechanics, to the overall feel, and uh, just just 
what Call of Cthulhu is all about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's the great thing is, is you have these boxes in this one uh, that are like keeper suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, well, you already had mentioned the uh, contacting the authorities, but there's uh, one that just says, you know, don't force anything, but the investigators do it for you. And if it doesn't work, they have a couple of tricks that you can use to push things along without mm -hmm. being too, you know, horribly blatant about it. Right, right. And these are all skills that you pick up um, as you play and or run games. And it, it's nice to see something that uh, gives you advice on how to handle some of the grayer areas of, of scenarios. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that wraps it up for this episode. Um, don't forget, if you like the episode, you like what we do here at Microphones of Madness, uh, throw us a subscribe, throw us some likes on the on the episodes, uh, and don't forget that we do play uh, Call of Cthulhu. We play several other role-playing games as well, uh, and those are out on Fridays, so check those out. Mm -hmm. And uh, as always, oh, go ahead, Steve. Oh, I was going to say, and um, if you have any suggestions for, if you have any modules, scenarios for Call of Cthulhu, Pulp Cthulhu, Dungeons and Dragons, um, you know, let us know. We'll gladly, um, if we can find copies of it, uh, read through it and give our opinion. Mm -hmm. Or if you write scenarios for uh, Dungeon Masters Guild, uh, Miskatonic Repository or something like that, and would like us to take a look and, and let you know what we think or do an episode letting everyone know what we think uh yeah just hit us up microphones madness at gmail.com that's right and until next we see you keep, keep 30, 30. Looking.